For many people, New Year's Day presents a fresh start, an opportunity to make resolutions to change things in their lives for self-improvement and things like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. For the believer in Christ, though, every day is an opportunity for repentance from sin. You may know that the very first of Martin Luther's 95 theses was that the whole life of the Christian was to be one of repentance. The whole of the Christian life is to be marked by repentance for the Christian. Well, in the spirit of Martin Luther's point that all of the Christian life is one of repentance, I would like us to focus our attention primarily on that one thing today, and that is repentance and holiness. The subject of holiness has fallen on hard times in our day. Think about this. When was the last time that you thought about holiness or heard a sermon on the subject? Or when was the last time you read a book about it? Frankly, if you were to go to a Christian bookstore at any time, any place, you would probably find shelf after shelf after shelf of books on all kinds of subjects, including such things as finances, politics, psychology, raising children, successful living, and even Christian health or diet books. On top of it all, you will surely find all kinds of Christian fiction. Those are some of the best-selling books they have right now. But what about books on holiness? The old adage about finding a needle in the haystack comes to mind. Well, even more troubling than the lack of books on holiness or the demand for such books is the lack of holiness that is often evident in the lives of many of those who profess to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is that? Why is that? Is the Bible somehow unclear about the holiness of God or about his repeated commands that his redeemed people are to be holy? If repetition is for the sake of emphasis, then the Bible is loud and clear about the necessity of holiness. In his terrific book, The Whole in Our Holiness, Kevin DeYoung writes the following. There's no question holiness is one of the central themes in the Bible. The word holy occurs more than 600 times in the Bible, more than 700 when you, when you include derivative words like holiness, sanctify, and sanctification. You can't make sense of the Bible without understanding that God is holy and that this holy God is intent on making a holy people to live with him forever in a holy heaven. End quote. So if you are a believer in Christ and yet are neglecting holiness in the lifelong pursuit of following the Lord Jesus Christ, it is certainly not for a lack of instruction or emphasis in Scripture. The Bible makes it abundantly clear that holiness is not some optional extra or add-on to the Christian life. If anything, it is the distinguishing mark of every true believer in Christ. Quoting Leviticus 11.44, the Apostle Peter writes, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. 1 Peter 1.14-16 An unholy Christian, an unholy Christian, is really a contradiction in terms. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you must make holiness your lifelong aim. Seek after holiness. Strive after holiness. Even more than success or happiness, in many ways, holiness is really the measure of true success for a believer. And no true Christian can truly be happy apart from sharing in the holiness of his or her Heavenly Father. 
as our text today in Hebrews 12:14 says, without holiness no one will see the Lord. In his wonderful book by that same title, Holiness, J.C. Ryle writes the following about our sermon text. He writes this about Hebrews 12:14. He says, it suggests a question which demands the attention of all professing Christians. Are we holy? Shall we see the Lord? If you read this passage of scripture without asking these things of yourself, you are doing yourself a great disservice. It's the question that this text demands of us. This text asks those questions and demands that we ask those questions of ourselves. You know, the scripture is full of questions just like this kind of a thing. Second Corinthians 13.5, there the Apostle Paul has us really presses upon us to ask a similar question of ourselves. He writes there, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. Think about that. Examine yourselves. Test yourselves. The scriptures tell us to do these things. There can be no more important question for us to have settled in our own hearts than these. And so I trust that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, that our time spent in this passage of God's word will prove to be an encouragement to you in the end. And if the spirit of holiness within you uses this passage to move you to fresh repentance and to a fresh striving after holiness, all the better. If that is the case, our time here will have done you no harm, but rather much good. And what if you're not a Christian? If you're not yet a believer in Jesus Christ, my prayer is that this word of the Lord here from Hebrews 12 will serve as a wake-up call, even like a fire alarm in a burning building, so that the Spirit of God might awaken you to the true condition of your soul and the true danger that you are in if you remain yet in your sins. If this text makes you quite uncomfortable, which it may do, and maybe it should do, But if it makes you uncomfortable, but in the end, it leads you to repentance and faith in Christ. Our time in this text will have done you no harm, but rather much good. We don't have time to exhaust the subject of holiness today or to deal with it comprehensively. This will probably be a part one of a part two, at least a two part uh, series, possibly more. But I'd like to look at least three things together from this text from Hebrews 12, 14. Today, the first of those three things being the necessity of holiness, the necessity of holiness, the second, the way of holiness, and third and finally, the goal of holiness. So the first thing that this text impresses upon us today is the necessity of holiness. Note that the writer of the book of Hebrews here tells us that we are to strive for, that's the ESV's rendering of it, or pursue, that's how the New King James puts it. We are to strive for or pursue holiness. Now, if that is the case, then holiness is not our natural condition. In other words, on our own, none of us are holy, not one, not you and not me. That can be hard for us to hear, but it's true. Ever since the fall of mankind and Adam's fall into sin in the Garden of Eden back in Genesis 3, all of mankind has been by nature in a state or condition of sin and misery. In Ephesians 2 1, the Apostle Paul describes it as being dead, quote, dead in our trespasses and sins. Outside of Christ, left to ourselves, we are all, each and every one of us, dead in sin 
and positively unholy. Romans 3, 1 puts it this way. None is righteous, no, not one. And so if you are yet outside of Christ, there is no striving after holiness, true holiness anyway, that is possible for you until you repent of your sin and turn to Christ by faith for salvation. There is no sanctification without justification. We often are concerned to say the, the, the kind of the other way around, that there's no justification without sanctification. But for the unbeliever, you must be justified first. Outside of Christ, you have no true holiness or righteousness with which to stand before an infinitely holy God. And make no mistake, do not deceive yourself. Our text makes it abundantly clear that without holiness, no one will see the Lord. No one. Do you feel the weight of your debt of sin? Then turn to Christ by faith. Come to him, and you will find forgiveness and life. Well, the second thing that our text would press upon us today is the way of holiness. The way of holiness. If you are already a believer in Christ by God's grace, this verse should teach you that holiness in the life of a Christian doesn't just happen. It's not automatic. Again, what does the writer of Hebrews tell us? It tells us, he tells us there that we are to strive for or to pursue holiness. In other words, it requires, here's that, that word that we're so afraid of often, it requires effort on our part. The Greek word there is dioko, which can mean to chase or even to persecute. It's the same word that Paul uses, for example, in Galatians 1.13, when he speaks of his former life outside of Christ. There he writes, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted, Dioko, persecuted the church of God violently and, and tried to destroy it. It's the same word. When you persecute someone, you chase after them. And it's the same word that the writer of Hebrews uses for holiness. We are to chase after holiness. We are to pursue it. It's as if holiness were the lead car or the lead horse in a race. It is ever before us for us to strive after as our goal. It is the same language that's used by the writer of Hebrews earlier in the very same chapter, where in Hebrews 12, 1 to 2, we hear this. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And here it is. Let us run with endurance. Not the same word, but the same word picture. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So we are to pursue holiness and we're to run with endurance the race set before us. Holiness is the standard, and who is the embodiment of that standard? Jesus, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And we should be clear on one thing. The holiness spoken of here in our text is not the holiness of justification, which is, as the Shorter Catechism puts it, an act of God's free grace wherein he pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. A.W. Pink writes the following, he says, the holiness referred to in our text is not imputed holiness. In other words, it's not justification. It's not imputed holiness, for we cannot be exhorted to follow after that. No, it is personal and practical holiness, which is not attained by standing still, 
but by an earnest, diligent, persistent pursuit after the same. Pink, Pink is right. We cannot be exhorted to strive for the imputed righteousness of justification. If you are a believer in Christ, you have been justified completely and perfectly in this life. There is no improving upon it. There's nothing else to seek after. It is a one-time, to use the phrase from the Shorter Catechism, question 33, it is a one-time act of God's free grace. It is a done deal, and there's nothing else to do but think on it. When you're justified, you are as justified now as you will be in heaven. Now, the holiness spoken of in our text is the holiness of sanctification, which in contrast to justification is the work of God's free grace, not an act of God's free grace, at one time done deal, but a work, an ongoing work, in other words, of God's free grace, whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and are enabled more and more to die unto sin and to live unto righteousness. That's Shorter Catechism, question 35. So it's by the free grace of God, just every bit as much as justification is. It is every bit a part of the salvation that God gives to us in Christ. It is a gift given to us in Christ. It is the ongoing work of God in your life and mine by his Holy Spirit. And what does he do there? He enables us to repent of our sins and to walk according to his will, according to his commandments, more and more. It is something that we can and should grow in. Brothers and sisters in Christ, make growth in holiness your aim in 2017 and beyond. Make that your resolution. You may resolve to do all kinds of things uh, here at the new year. You may think of exercise, losing weight, any number of, of things. That, there's nothing wrong with those things. But if you're going to make one resolution, make it to, to grow in holiness in Christ. Make your resolution, resolve to grow in holiness. Well, the third and the last thing that our text places before us is the goal the goal of holiness. Now here it's easy to get tripped up and to go astray in our understanding of what the Bible is telling us here. Look again at verse 14. There the writer of Hebrews says, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Now that is certainly to be taken as some, something of a warning, isn't it? The scriptures are chock full of such warnings and God gives them to us for our good. So we should be careful to pay attention to them. If you profess to be a believer in Christ, but your life is marked by a consistent pattern, a trajectory, if you will, of ungodliness and sin. If that is the case, then you have good reason to question the genuineness of your faith. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11, where he says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Now, what does he describe the unrighteous as? He goes on and he says, Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And, but then he adds there, And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Now, struggling with sin is one thing. And I would say, as I've said before, all true Christians do that. I think that's Romans 7. I think that's what Paul is talking about in Romans 7. Christians struggle with sin. 
All Christians, in some sense, struggle with sin. But living in sin and being at home in sin is quite another matter. Make no mistake, without holiness, you will not see the Lord. But take our text positively. I know it's a warning, but take our text in a sense positively. Our text really does present us with the goal of the life of holiness for the believer. And what is that goal? It is seeing the Lord. Listen to the words of 1 John. 1 John 3, verses 1 through 3, it says something very similar. It says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But, he adds, but we know that when he appears, when Christ appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And then he adds, And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he, as Christ, as he is pure. So there's a few things to say about that. Holiness first is essentially a matter of family likeness. To be holy is to reflect in some small way the image of our Heavenly Father and of Christ our Lord as well. When Jesus appears at his return, what does he say? We shall see him as he is. And what will be the result of that? And so we shall be made like him. And what does John add there at the end? Again, everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who hopes to see Christ as he is when he returns and be made like him when they see him. Everyone that, that has that hope purifies himself, purifies herself either even as Jesus is pure. In other words, it's a matter of not being content to wait until Christ comes back. You want to be, at least in some small part, more and more, the way you're going to be when you see the Lord. This is not legalism. This is not salvation by works. This is not, you know, Hebrews 12:14 is not teaching that you can earn your way to heaven by means of holiness. It's not telling us that you earn seeing the Lord by trying to be holy. This is anticipation that the, this text is talking about. This and 1 John 3. This is faith and hope in Christ in action. This is love for Christ shed abroad in our hearts by the gospel. As Jesus says in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5.8. Blessed are the pure in heart. Why? For they shall see God. May the blessed hope of seeing the Lord Jesus Christ spur you and I on in our pursuit of holiness, and may the hope of being like Jesus when we see him as he is lead us to purify ourselves even as he is pure as we await his return and glory. May we set our hearts more fully on the hope that we have of the return of Christ, that we could long for the day when we see Christ as he is, knowing that when that happens, we will be made like him when we see him as he is. May, us, may we have that hope in us and may that hope lead us to purify ourselves, even as he is pure, to the glory of Christ and God the Father. Amen.